Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. The more humble we are, the greater God can use us. Look at the next statement. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Circle it, put it in red, yellow it, highlight it. That is the key to Christian living. God, we really don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Wow. God has a way of outdoing even our most extravagant expectations. When you petition the Lord, you probably have a desired outcome already in mind, right? Sometimes our best intentions get in the way of really letting God bless us the way that He wants to. We're willing to settle for our limited ideas of what's best for us. As we'll see today, the King of Judah can't fathom how the Lord is going to lead them to victory over some great armies, let alone that they will come out of it with a multitude of riches. When you trust His infinite power, He will surprise you. God desires that you would be confident and assured of His protection and grace. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 4, with our continuing study entitled, Honestly Representing God. He fasts. Notice he called and proclaimed a fast for all Judah. This nationwide fast was basically to show God that they were serious. When you see fasting in the Bible, and some of you, I'll explain this to you in a moment. When you see fasting in the Bible, it's a sign of basically three things. Humility. In other words, man, we realize you're God and there's a problem here and, and we're not God. Second, repentance. And third, dependence. We need your help. We're in a situation that we don't know what to do. Now, there's three kinds of fast. There's the normal fast, which involves a total abstinence of food. Not water or drink, just food. Jesus abstained for food, but not water in Luke 4, 2. Then there's the absolute fast. That's in Acts 9, 9 few other places in the Old Testament where you can do without drink and water. That has to be a very short period of time. And then there's the partial fast where you put aside one kind of food or you might fast for every lunch for a week or something like kind of like a partial fast. You eat the other meals. And during that time, you're setting aside that time for a very important reason. You're seeking God. You're seeking Him for a deeper experience. Most often when I fast, I'm at a crossroads and I can't get a clarity as to what He wants. So that's why you fast. Now remember, the Bible speaks a lot about fasting. And one of the things you don't want to do is when you fast, is you know, and I don't mean to say this against whatever, but you don't want to put ashes on your forehead or ashes all over you and come with this you know, sad thing and you know, draw and hate it. How are you doing? Well, I'm fasting for the Lord. 
No, you ruin it. In other words, people shouldn't really know you're fasting. Now, when the elders go away for their, you know, usually a night or two to re, you know, just kind of refocus once or twice a year or whatever, we'll fast for a day or so before and we'll tell you we're doing that just so that you'll know that you can pray for us during that time. But other than that, when we fast, it's not something that you need to be talking to other people. It's between you and God. Now, if your family's fasting or whatever, you want to tell me and you want me to pray with you, that's good. I mean, your small group, that's fine. But to announce it or whatever that you're fasting, it, again, the, the focus is not supposed to be on us, it's supposed to be on God. So you don't do that. So you can skip lunch, you know, every day for a while. You can skip number of meals. You can even go to 40 days as long as you have a doctor's care and you know what you're doing and you're drinking fluids and whatever. But you just have to be very careful because when you're doing all of that, remember what's happening in your life. And I just wrote some things down from a time before that I remember. When you begin to fast seriously, Tommy Tummy begins to call out to you. Kathy Caffeine has something to say to you also. Sammy Sugar screams for carbs. And Nate the Nose hates it when he passes good-smelling food. So you have to be careful. What, what you're really doing is you're saying no to your flesh. You say, well, my flesh doesn't rule me. <laughs> Privately, just fast for a day and a half. We'll see if anything happens with your flesh. Our flesh rules us all right. Now, remember also, when you're going to set things aside, you set things aside for God. You don't set aside, like for me, liver. <laughs> I'm fasting for you, God. I wouldn't go near liver if you paid me. So, I mean, come on. You have to be honest. So the first thing they do is they call a time of fast. Seriously, when you come to the place, you're getting ready to buy a home, getting ready to make a big change, a job, whatever, and you just, you don't have a clarity. You and your wife or whatever, friend, fast. You know, just take lunches for four days or something. And during that time, pray. And, and just seek God's face. And you'll be amazed how clarity will come. God will minister to you. So again, it's a wonderful thing. We, we don't do it, and I don't have time tonight, but Jesus says, you know, when he was here, there was some complaints. And actually, my wife and I were studying that passage this week in a Bible study. The, the disciples of John were saying, how come you aren't fasting? And well, Jesus was still here, but he said, when I leave, you will fast. So there should be times in our life that we do fast. So I encourage you to do that. Second, look at verse 4. The second key is prayer. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. <laughs> Commons. And said, <laughs> I love it. And said, O oh, oh Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? And he's reminding the people. O oh, Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it to them forever for its descendants of Abraham and your friend? They have lived in it, and they have built a sanctuary. They have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in distress, and you will hear us. And save us. Verse 10. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. So notice what he does. He reminds the people of the greatness of God. Then he goes back and he says, 
think where we came from. How do we have this land? God delivered us from Egypt. And he goes back and he reviews the history. So sometimes when you're fearful, a great thing to do is to remind yourself, go to the, we talked about a Sunday. God's all knowing, God's all powerful, God's everywhere at the same time. Go back, remind yourself of the character of God. Second, go back in your life and go, hmm, what did God do in my past when I was fearful the last time? Great thing to go back. And that, and you're going to like this word, it's called journaling. That's one of the reasons I journal lots of my prayers. Because I can go back the last time I was really struggling. No answers, no understanding. And below it, in red, I write, here's what God came through with. That really builds my faith. Now, I have some in that list that still are unanswered. Do you? But I'm still praying. So see, Jehoshaphat does it. He reminds the people where God's brought them to. We have short memories. And if you don't write some of those things down... I have two little small pages in my, in my notebook of how God got this church started. And I look at them quite often just to remember the miracles that took place and the continuing miracles that are taking place. It's the same God. And it's the same guy with fears as you. So this rebuilds the people's faith when they see this happening. Look at verse 10. But here now are these men. They're standing before me. They're here in this territory. They're going to invade when they came from Egypt. So... So they turn away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us an inheritance? Oh God, will you not judge them? We don't know if it's like, Oh God, will you not judge them? Or, Oh God, will you not judge them? Probably more the first than the second. Here's a great passage. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. The more humble we are, the greater God can use us. Look at the next statement. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Circle it, put it in red, yellow it, highlight it. That is the key to Christian living. God, we really don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Wow. You see, you'll come to many of those times in your life. And that's the difference between us and the world. They also come to those times, but they have nobody to turn to. We have God. And we have a past history with God. How wonderful. What a wonderful thing. So this cry out to God in faith was simply admitting that we need His help. You need to do that. I need to do that. As we look at this world and all the things that are out there, man, God, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What does that mean? It means this. Look at verse 12 again. That means we keep our eyes on God, not the problem. How often in a counseling session do I have to remind somebody that's sitting in front of me, now that you've told me the problem, quit talking about it. Let's get our eyes on the solution. And the solution is always a person. Remember, whatever the question, God is the answer in our lives. Now, we have to walk that out. We have to walk it out. And that takes that faith to do that. Verse 13. All the men of Judah, this is a, this is a great picture. All the men of Judah, with their wives and children and little ones, stood there before the Lord. Stop for a moment and think what that looked like. Mom and dad, Little ones, all standing 
in humility before God. You see, that's what God wants. That's what he designed. And Satan has destroyed family after family after family. Basically the same in the church as in the world. It's because we have no fear for God. So that's where we're trying to get back to tonight. That's why you need to be praying for your own marriages. Get you in a couples fellowship. Don't sit out here and just say, well, yeah, it's too tough now. We're just going to split and go. Don't do it. This is what God wants. That's his design for the world. The family is the core of society. Now, some of you are there and you're hurting or whatever. I'm not talking against you. We pray for you. We hurt with you. But you need to stand. Hopefully you're meeting with your kids. Hopefully you're setting the example. Verse 14. Now, while they're doing that, while they're honoring God, while they fasted, while they're prayed, look what God does. Look how God responds. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, and a descendant of Asaph. And he stood in the assembly and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat, and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. And that's what I want to preach to you all the time. This is what God is saying to you. What did God say? Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Here's where the verse comes you've heard all your life. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Is that a verse for our country tonight? As well as us as individuals. So God gives this encouraging message. He honors the fasting. He honors their prayer. He honors their humility. And he says, don't be afraid. God will fight for you. Praise God. Now look at how he's going to fight. Verse 16. He says to Jehoshaphat, now this huge army's coming. Tomorrow, tomorrow. You think Jehoshaphat was looking like, how about today? <laughs> you know, we, we look at those words and go, tomorrow, what's the big deal? No, I want it solved when? Right now. So God starts with, let's have a little patience. Tomorrow. Well, how are we going to handle the night? We're going to be worried all night. We're going to have to take our kava kava and all kinds of stuff, man. We're just going to... No, he says, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, march down against them. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz. And you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeriel. Don't you like that? Notice something here. God knows where the enemy's going to be tomorrow, exactly. Is that good? That is good. He knows where they're going. He knows exactly where they're going to be the time they're going to be there. You don't need intelligence. You just need God. Maybe I ought to write that to our FBI people, whatever. All right. Verse 17. You will not have to fight this battle. Now we're beginning a God thing. God's ways are not our ways. Take up your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah, Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face him tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. So what do we see? Three things quickly. Four things. This is unique. God says, don't run from the problem. If you're here tonight and you're beginning to run, you're, you're afraid, God says, no, just stand still, don't run from the problem. Go and take a stand. Next, 
stand still in confidence without fear. And next, watch God, watch God bring the victory. Verse 18. Now we come to the third key. We've had fasting, we've had prayer, and the third key is worship. Verse 18. When Jehoshaphat heard this, he bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some of the Levites from the Kohathites and Korathites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So he's setting the example. He's beginning in humility to say, God, we prayed, we fasted. Man, you brought the answer. We praise you for that. In humility, we realize this plan isn't our plan. I don't know how this plan's going to work. This is totally your plan, but we honor you. Verse 20. Early in the morning, here's the obedience, they left for the desert of Teoka. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. This is wonderful. Watch what happened. Jehoshaphat repented. They fasted. They prayed. God sent a prophet. God sent a prophet with a message exactly how to fight the battle. It encouraged the king. The king stepped forward and he said to all the people, have faith in God. See, his faith had to be built first. Then he was able to stand before the people. And God knew that and he did that. He encouraged them. So notice this is a very personal God. He gets involved in our lives. Now, as he tells those people to go and stand out there and begin to get in line, do you think any of them are still wondering, I heard this is a big battle coming. Do you think any of them were still fearful? For sure they were still fearful. That's why it's responsible for us to have faith. Faith is the confidence that what God has said Will he will do. So they had to just go and do it, even though they're thinking, man, this is a huge army. Is, is this going to happen? I mean, what do you mean God's going to do this battle for us? When God asks you to do something, notice it's not a leap in the dark. It's based on his word. God said, do this. And they did it. So we don't ask people to come to salvation as a jump in the dark. God says, believe on me, confess me with your mouth, you will be saved. Always based on his word. Verse 21. After consulting the people, Joseph had appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the, circle word, head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Now what do you think the head officers in the army thought of this plan. You mean to tell me, wait a minute, Josephette, you mean to tell me that the choir and orchestra are going before us? What kind of a plan is that? Now you think if that causes a problem, can you hear the singers? <laughs> Notice in this verse, he appointed men to sing. He just got on the rope. Are uh, you? Oh, uh, no. If he knows me, I can't get in choir. Well, how about you? No, it's my rotation off. It's somebody else's rotation for the weekend. Uh, you know, we never even read that in. People were people. I mean, this has never happened. You're going to go and stand in front? You're the lead? You have no weapons? You're going to sing? Now, I know your voice is good or bad, but I mean, that's, that's going to kill the army? For some of you, that probably would work, but whatever. 
Now, so worship is very important. I don't have time, but you can just look at Ephesians 5 later and you'll see that from our hearts, one sign that we're spirit-filled means that we're singing to the Lord. We have a song always to the Lord. Verse 22, as they began, circle those words, to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. As they obeyed, listen, as they obeyed, then God began to do his thing. You have to step out in faith. Verse 23, then the men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, these are the enemies. They're fighting against each other. They helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looks and looked toward the vast army, they only saw dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. Right by those verse, verse 23, you just want to write this. This is a God thing. How in the world they turned on themselves and destroyed themselves, we have no idea. And here, here's, here's Judah. They're sitting in the front row seats of these stadium. They're spectators. God's on the field, but they can't see him. The other team is running to the wrong end, scoring all the points for the opposition. They win. It doesn't make any sense. That's because it's God and not man. It's a complete miracle. You can't explain it away, but nothing's impossible to God. Verse 25, so Jehoshaphat and his men went off went to carry out the plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and all the articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. Isn't he able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can even ask and think? That's exactly what happened here. Now notice, on the fourth day they assembled in the valley of Bechorah. Normally when we think of valley, we think of disaster. In the, look at this, they're in the valley and it's beautiful. It's filled with everything. It's not the mountaintop. This is a valley. This is because of God. It took them three days. Verse 27. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. No kidding. When we obey God and do it His way, the joy of the Lord is our strength. They returned joyfully to Jerusalem for the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets. By the way, this is where the song came. Our God is an awesome God. Can you hear him coming home? You can hear him coming home. Loaded down with loot. These singers were singing now, baby. Right on key. It was okay. Look at the response. This is awesome. Verse 29. The fear of the Lord came upon the kingdoms of the countries where they had heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his circle of word, God, had given him rest on every side. Faith in God defeats fear, brings great peace and rest. In our study today, a number of peoples were coming up against Judah. Jehoshaphat was discouraged, but he sought the Lord and fasted in order to hear from him. He cried out to God in front of the people, and the Lord gave assurance that the battle was not theirs, but his. As Pastor Mark encouraged us, we can be assured that God will fight for us as well. 
We're called to obey Him and stand with confidence. Pastor Mark covered quite a bit in today's message. Perhaps you'd like to review. You can listen to today's message again by logging on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Just select today's date from the media player. Or you can also call us toll-free. The number to call is 866-779-3441 to place an order for a CD. Again, that number to call is 866-779-3441. Another way to get in contact with us is by email. The address is info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. That's info at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. By far, the best way to stay current with everything that you hear on Lessons for Living is to subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is easy. Just follow the link at LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Now, be sure and tune in next time as Pastor Mark continues through Second Chronicles, when Jehoram, Jehoshaphat's son, succeeds him as the king of Judah. Immediately, he will prove to the people that he is not a man of God. And Pastor Mark will explain how even a person who is following the Lord can neglect to leave their children with an understanding of the importance of that relationship in their lives when nothing could be more important. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.